Welcome to Catechesis, also known as Cats and Jesus. Catechesis is Greek for teaching, and that's what our hosts, Reverend James Goodlett and Reverend Adam Roberts, will do with this podcast, Teach. Each week, they will study, discuss, and dissect the week's scripture and spoken word. Catechesis is a digital outreach of First Presbyterian Church of LaGrange. Welcome your hosts, James and Adam. Welcome to Catechesis, a production of Lewis and Broad Media. My name is James Goodlett. I'm one of the pastors here at First Presbyterian Church in LaGrange, Georgia. And I am riding solo today. My colleague, the Reverend Dr. Adam Roberts, could not be with us today. It is spring break, and he is on an alternative spring break experience with his students at LaGrange College. So, hope they're having a fantastic time. But right now, it's just me. Me and Aunt Rhonda in the studio. And you know what? I'm going to spare her the Ask Layton experience today. She shakes her head gratefully. And I'm really sorry we couldn't record last week the Palm Sunday edition of Catechesis. But I will tell you, good listeners, I was some kind of ill last week. And we just couldn't make it work. But I'm back in the saddle here at Lewis and Broad Studios and glad to be here. As of this recording, it is a beautiful day in LaGrange, Georgia, though apparently this Easter weekend it's going to be a little bit rainy, a little bit chilly. Spring is just teasing us. So for all you folks who are wanting to take your Easter pictures, might want to do it on the early side. And for all you master's denizens making the annual pilgrimage to Augusta GA, wear a raincoat. If you'd like to hear other podcasts of Lewis and Broad Media, go to lewisandbroad.org, including our flagship production, the Lewis and Broad Podcast. Season 5 is almost completed. And we are preparing for our second annual Lewis and LaGrange Music Festival to Fight Poverty, a partnership with Circles of Troop County. It's on April 23rd at Pure Life House of Music. From 1 p.m. to 6 p.m., it is going to be a lot of fun. Aunt Rhonda is correcting me. It's actually 1 p.m. to 7 p.m. Headlined by the Sweet Tea Trio. They are fantastic. You will not want to miss them. The music starts at 1. Good food, good beverage, good times. All for a good cause. To support the work of the organization called Circles of Troop County here in LaGrange, GA. They do fantastic work on the front lines of poverty. Removing the barriers that confine so many in poverty. It's, uh, it's a complicated work, but it's good work, and we're grateful for circles. And so that will be 
the cause for Listen LaGrange, and hope we'll see you there again April 23rd, just a couple weeks away from 1 to 7 p.m., headlined by the Sweet Tea Trio. Now it is Holy Week here, which means we are, as of this recording, we are on Holy Wednesday, I guess as uh, Leighton will soon be releasing or dropping, as the kids call it, dropping this episode Maundy Thursday, Maundy coming from the Latin word mandatum, command. This is my commandment, my new commandment, that you love one another. Maundy Thursday service here at First Pres will be tomorrow night at 6 p.m. And then on Good Friday, we will be hosting a community service. And indeed, all of our services are for the community. Anybody and everybody is welcome But on Good Friday at 7 p.m., we will be hosting a performance of Dan Forrest's Requiem for the Living. It's about an hour long, and it's going to be fantastic. It is a partnership concert and worship service of First Presbyterian Church and St. Mark's Episcopal Church here in LaGrange. Again, that's Good Friday at 7 p.m., and Monday Thursday worship at 6 p.m. Hope you will join us. And then Easter Sunday. The weather is not looking like it will allow us to do our typical sunrise service at Hills and Dales at 7 a.m. So it's very strong possibility we will be here in our sanctuary for that service. And then 10 a.m. We will also be having a worship service here to commemorate and celebrate the Easter holiday, the Easter feast, the Easter miracle. And that's where we're turning our attention for this particular episode of Catechesis. Our scripture for this Sunday, the telling of the resurrection will come from Matthew's rendition in the 28th chapter, Verses 1 through 10, Matthew 28, 1 through 10. Let me set the scene just a little bit. Matthew 27 is entirely occupied by the story of Jesus' passion. And what is fascinating to me about this scripture, Matthew 27, is the very end of the chapter. The very end of the chapter Chief priests and Pharisees gather before Pilate, and they say, Sir, we remember what that imposter, a.k.a. Jesus, what that imposter said while he was still alive. After three days, I will rise again. Therefore, Pilate, we beseech you, we ask, we beg you that you command the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may go and steal him away and tell the people he has been raised from the dead and the last deception would be worse than the first. Those Pharisees, those chief priests, they did not want any part of any kind of scheming that would suggest that Jesus's resurrection might actually occur or that his disciples might steal away with his body 
and say, look, see? It happened. What he said came true. He's been raised from the dead. This, according to the chief priests and the Pharisees and the the folks who wanted Jesus dead, this would be a greater deception than anything else. So Pilate says to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go make it as secure as you can. So they send guards to make the, the tomb secure, and they seal the stone. It wasn't enough just to roll a stone over the covering to the tomb. They seal it shut. Ain't nobody getting in there. So they think. And so that sets the stage for Matthew 28. First day of the week, it's dawning. Mary Magdalene. And the other Mary went to see the tomb. Now, I think it's really important that we, for the purposes of catechesis, we outline some differences between this gospel's telling of the emptying of the tomb versus others. Because there are some unique aspects in Matthew. For one, the women. The women in this story are unique. They differ from other gospels, tellings of the event. In John, Mary Magdalene, for instance, comes to the tomb alone. In Mark, Mary Magdalene is accompanied by Mary, the mother of James, and by Salome. In Luke, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, were there, but there's also Joanna and other women. Here, it is Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Now, who is the other Mary? Who, who are we referring to here? Well... The other Mary very well could have been Mary as in the Mary, as in the mother Mary, as in Mary, mother of Jesus. Earlier on in Matthew, Mary is described as the mother of James and Joseph. Well, guess what? According to Matthew's 13th chapter, two of Jesus' brothers are named James and Joseph. It is very possible then that this other Mary is Mary, the mother of Jesus. So these are the two who go to see the tomb early on. And then suddenly there is a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing white as snow. Matthew loves him some earthquakes. In fact, it is in this telling of the resurrection alone in Matthew that these women experience an earthquake. 
they actually see the stone rolled away, moved in Matthew. That doesn't happen in the other synoptics. In both Mark and Luke, the women, when they get to the tomb, the stone's already been moved. But here in Matthew, the women experience it. They, they, they sense this earthquake. They see the angel descend. They see the angel roll away the stone. They see the angel sit on the stone. They basically see this angel show that stone who's the boss. And the guards... The guards in Matthew see it as well. The guards shake and become like dead men at this tomb. What they thought they knew was dead. Their experience of the world now was dead. They were shaking. They were in a trance. They were like dead men. And it's interesting here in verse 5, it explicitly says, but the angel said to the women, the angel ain't talking to these guards. He's talking to the women. He, He ain't talking to the guards who were sent by the powers that be to ensure that the stone was shut tight, sealed, closed forever and ever. Amen. The angel doesn't talk to them. The angel talks to the women. The angel talks to the, to the two Marys and says to them, do not be afraid. I know why you're here, but he is not here. He's been raised. So go tell the disciples that he has been raised from the dead and that he'll be going ahead of you to Galilee, and, and there you'll see him. This is, this is what I have for you. And so they leave the tomb quickly with fear and great joy. Fear and great joy. I was reading a commentary about this earlier, about how fear and great joy, they seem to be, at first glance, mutually exclusive emotions. But if you think about the most exciting times in our lives... Fear and great joy, they go together. When you make the big decision that you're going to marry, fear and great joy. When you find out you're going to have a child, fear and great joy. When you make the decision to go to a certain college, fear and great joy. When you know exactly what you want to do with the rest of your life, fear and great joy. When you find out that your Lord has been raised, fear and great joy. That everything he said was true, fear and great joy. That the things that you witnessed, the horrific events that you witnessed on the cross were not the final telling of the story, fear and great joy. And then it is confirmed to these women, to the two Marys, when they're running 
And suddenly Jesus meets with them and says, again, greetings, do not be afraid. It's all true. It's really important we also think about this in terms of what's going on in the Gospel of Matthew. If we remember at the very beginning of the Gospel, Jesus' radical entry into the world, the birth of Jesus, what happens as a result, Herod tries to have him put down, the horrific story of the slaughtering of the innocents, earthly powers trying to do away with Jesus, and yet Jesus lives in our midst as God with us. Here again, at the end of Matthew, the powers that be try to put him down and to keep that tomb shut, and yet Jesus lives among us. It's an important bracketing within this gospel that there is no power on earth that can put him down, that he will live among us. And as our worship theme suggests, hope in our midst, this hope of Jesus' final victory over death lives on in our midst. That's what Matthew is all about. And in Matthew... When it comes to Jesus' resurrection, the gospel and, and, and the God within this gospel wants these women to see it for themselves. They don't just happen upon a tomb where the stone has been removed. No, they see it actually removed. God's power is readily apparent. There's no mistaking it. You can't seal it shut. An angel's going to sit on that stone and say, he is not here. He has been raised. Now, of course, this is the story of stories as it pertains to our faith. And I have to confess that I, I reflect, we don't reflect on Scripture in a vacuum. We reflect upon it in the course of our lives and our individual lives and in the life of the world. What does the Easter narrative mean, the story mean? the removal of the stone that was sealed shut, what does that mean? What does fear and joy mean in a world of tragedy, of war, violence, where our children are murdered, where our politics divide, What does the Easter story and all the hope that it presents mean? How does it preach to you? How does it preach to the person who is grieving 
How does it preach to the person who is hurting? How does it preach to the person who is hopeless? Or who is calloused? I think about this every year. Because the, re- the reality is, there are going to be people who come in on Sunday who will never darken the doorstep of our church again, at least probably not till Christmas Eve. How does that word of hope speak to the person who has given up or who thinks and believes that this word has no bearing on their life? And are you one of those people? Maybe not all the time, but are there times where you struggle to believe that the tomb is really empty? You get the fear part, but you don't necessarily get the joy part. I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know if this story always feels true to you, but that doesn't make it any less true. And so my Easter prayer for you is that, much like the two Marys who went to the tomb not expecting to see what they saw, that hope will be resurrected in your life, whatever that might look look like. That you'll be able to find the joy accompanying the fear that so often dominates and permeates our lives. that do not be afraid pierces our hearts and that we will live according to the truth of this story. Only for a minute, I pray that each one of us experiences just a whiff of resurrection hope. Because there is nothing that can keep that tomb sealed shut. So that wraps up this episode of Catechesis. Again, you can listen to previous episodes of all of our Lewis and Broad podcasts on lewisandbroad.org or on our social media at Lewis and Broad. Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the things, we're there. And my prayer for you is that you have a fantastic Easter season filled with resurrection hope. My name is James Goodlett, and for Leighton Parker, as always, 
I encourage you this season to remember who and whose you are. Take care, everybody. Thanks for joining us this week at Catechesis. Follow along on our social media and our websites at fpclagrange.org and lewisandbrog.org. Until next week.